Hello and welcome to the Majlis podcast, Ready for Free the Liberties, current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Mohammed Tahir, host of the Majlis and Ready for Free the Liberties media manager here in Washington, D.C. The authorities in Tajikistan and the Taliban militants across the border in Afghanistan have never been on good terms, but the collapse of Kabul to the Taliban on August 15 has started a new round of tension between the sides. Initially started as the war of words, but in recent days we are increasingly getting reports about the possibility of an actual armed conflict. The latest signs of tensions are intensified military activities, the Afghan Taliban arming up the Tajikistani militants who are sheltering in Afghanistan, and growing rhetoric about possible cross-border incursions. So on today's Majlis podcast, we are here to recap the latest developments to understand what they mean, how serious is this, and where things are headed beyond this point. To discuss all these, I'm joined by Dr. Susanna Levy-Sanchez, Associate Professor at the U.S. Naval War College, author of an upcoming book on bridging state and civil society, informal organizations in Tajik, Afghan, Badakhshan. Milani Saduzei, PhD candidate at INALCO in France and a visiting scholar at George Washington University who has recently visited the Tajik-Afghan border for her research. Selim Jan Ayubov, the director of Ready for Repair the Liberties Tajik service and Bruce Panier, the editor of Ready for Repair the Liberties Central Asia blog, Kishlok Owazi. Thank you, colleagues, for joining us today on this very important conversation. So, Selim Jan, I, I can't keep up with the, with the developments involving Tajikistan and Afghanistan these days don't know if it is relevant to what we are going to talk about today. I think Ready for Free Liberty has or about to release another report based on interviews with Afghan pilots who are stranded in Tajikistan. As it is known, those pilots have come to Tajikistan earlier, escaping the Taliban. I'm sure by the time this podcast will be up, this might be an old news, but let's start from this, Salim Jan. Any insight into what we have learned from this, these interviews? Yeah, it was difficult. First of all, it was difficult to find the, the location where those pilots and Afghan militaries who fled Afghanistan have been held by, by the Turkish authorities. The, the place has been keeping in secret, but our colleagues succeeded in finding the place and the It was impossible officially to approach those pilots and talk to them, but uh, so some small accident helped my colleagues uh, to talk to them. The, the story will be out in a few minutes, but I can share with you that there are 163 pilots and uh, Afghan militaries Previously, we thought the number is something more or less 140, and not one woman, but two female pilots are inside of this uh, sanatorium, and all of them are stranded uh, there and uh, have no right to go out of the compound. And uh, yeah, the mobile phones were confiscated. And what we know now that the they are doing not bad. They are provided with food, water, medical help, and uh, the Tajik authorities are telling them that uh, they are negotiating about their future, what to do with them. As they uh, say, most probably they will be transferred to the third countries. 
This uh, situation kind of reminds me of Afghan pilots who were stranded in Uzbekistan for weeks and Tashkent was threatening to send them back to Afghanistan if they are not transferred to third country, which finally happened, I guess. So they are now in uh, United Arab Emirates, at least that was the last news we heard about this. So the fact that you were able to reach to them, and of course you said officially it was impossible. What's the discussion among uh, the authorities in Tajikistan? What, what, what are their intentions about the future of those people? And also we learned as a result of your report, Salim Zan, you just mentioned that there are a total 163 pilots, two female pilots among them. Do we also know anything about the military equipments that they brought with them to Tajikistan? Any number, any concrete details about that? Mohammed, unfortunately, we know nothing about that. The authorities are not either uh, confirming that they are holding uh, those people or denying. My colleagues are saying that all the journalists in Dushanbe, uh, no matter uh, the Tajik journalists, foreign journalists, are looking for those pilots in every opportunity. And they, some of them traveled the whole parts of valley, but we found them completely in different place. So unfortunately, the authorities are not ready to talk about them, either about their current condition or their future. Mm. What is uh, your reading about authorities' mind in terms of what they want to do about them going forward? Uh, one thing is quite clear that they wanted to talk to other countries and to find whoever ready to accept those pilots. Most probably they, uh, some pilots also do not want to stay in Afghanistan. As we know, based on previous experience and previous interviews, many Afghans who fled Afghanistan and reached the Tajikistan, they are not thinking to stay in Tajikistan. Only a few of them are thinking to stay here because the Tajikistan itself, uh, there is no job, no normal, let's say, help for refugees, no conditions. And they are thinking about just to be about third countries and most probably Europe or the United States, thing like this. But again, authorities are not sharing the information with whom they are speaking, talking, and uh, what will be the decision and why they are keeping those people for so long and what the, the reason so zero information mm. on that very interesting. I, I also wonder, Bruce, your thoughts on that. I mean, earlier I mentioned the uh, similar scenario being repeated in Uzbekistan. In Uzbekistan's case, as we discussed in our previous episodes, we knew why Uzbekistan is trying to push them out of the country because Tashkent didn't want to upset Taliban because by keeping those people on its soil. So here, Tajikistan doesn't have that problem. Tajikistan's relations with the Taliban is already known. It's not good. So what's your reading of Tajikistan's authorities about what they are doing about those pilots and what they might do going forward. Well, I think your explanation uh, or review of, of recent events pretty much uh, gives us the reasons that we need to see that. Uh, you know, in Uzbekistan's case, they wanted to establish some kind of rapport with the Taliban and the presence of Afghan military personnel on Uzbek territory was, was an impediment, an obstacle to keeping a dialogue going with the Taliban. Now, the Tajikistan doesn't, hasn't sought any dialogue with the Taliban. You know, they still talk 
they make statements, but they don't talk to each other at all. So they're in kind of a different position where they can still keep these people on Tajik territory because they have nothing to lose. I mean, they're they don't really have much of a relationship with with the Taliban. Um, you know, that said, for what it's worth, I mean, they still are. They said they're still exporting electricity to Afghanistan. Uh, but that, that's, of course, for the Afghan people. But I mean, really, Tajikistan has nothing to lose by keeping these pilots. They don't have a dialogue going with the Taliban at the moment. So, uh, you know, it, it's easier for them than Uzbekistan. You know, and, and we saw today, for instance, that Uzbek foreign minister, uh, Abdulaziz Kamilov was in Kabul, you know, so this is part of the fact that it makes it easier for him to make this visit because all the Afghan military personnel have left mm. Uzbekistan and, and gone mm. to third countries, whereas, like I said, Tajikistan won't be at that point for a long time. Mm. Yeah. So it's yeah. a, they're in a different situation. Yeah. Let's let's uh, get back to the actual topic that we, we, we had in mind to talk about today. Now, today's report earlier, uh, and Melanie, thank you very much for sharing that uh, report from Asia Plus. The report is talking about Mahdi Arsalan's comments. As we know, at least he's what what is reported on the press is the leader of what's known as Tajik Taliban, the Tajikistani militants sheltering under the Taliban in Afghanistan. So he sort of, at least as per this report, he sort of threatens to invade Tajikistan. How serious you find this this comment? Like you said, it's really hard to keep up with the development of the situation. It seems like every day new news is coming up and, and all those news are contradicting each other sometimes. So today we found out indeed that it's uh, it wasn't a Russian website to start to start with that um, the, the Russian website was uh, quoting a, a telegram uh, post about this uh, Tajikistani Taliban quote unquote who was willing and ready to uh, to invade Tajikistan. But at, at the same time, um, just like two hours after that, the Taliban have um, sent also uh, another communication in which they say that they were willing to discuss with uh, Tajikistan. So it's really hard to know you know, where the actual truth is. Uh, but what we what we can see is that the Taliban are seem to be lacking control on those militants in the northern parts uh, of Afghanistan. And also in this uh, telegram canal communication, it wasn't on behalf of the Taliban, apparently, that this, this communication was made. So it's really hard to know what's true and what's not true, because, you know, the topic is extremely sensitive now. And everything must be really carefully, you know, verified by talking to people who are there, by talking to uh, communities living at the border. And so far, at least in the Darawas area, in the eastern part of um, the northern Badakhshan, uh, those Tajikistani militants are not seen literally at the border. They seem to be more inland and not actually mm. at the border. Mm. So we must be extremely careful with yeah. this information. Yeah, of course, uh, we need to be careful. But also, you know, it's it's hard to get news from the ground. Tajikistani authorities are not talking to media on, in terms of their intentions. Of course, the, you occasionally you see these public statements, uh, Rahman talking about Taliban and the inclusive government, and then you see the separatic news coming out. And one of those was recently, perhaps, uh, uh, Dr. Sanchez, you could jump in here. So Arslan's comment follows the statement by the Tajik authorities that indeed uh, militants in Afghan side of the border are planning to threaten Tajikistan. A couple of days have passed since that statement. Was there any bone in what the authorities were talking about when they say the militants on the Afghan side of the border might be planning to destabilize Tajikistan or something in that in that form or shape? I want to 
outline this in a few ways. One is Jamat and Srulat, which is now, I guess, being called Lashkari Mansuri Martyrdom Battalion by the Taliban, according to your outlet. You know, where are they along the border? Who controls them? And where are they not along the border? Today, I spoke to someone in the Wahan. I spoke to someone who is just in Pancher. And I spoke to someone in the uh, western part of Badakhshan. And from what I understand from these sources, among others, is that Jamat Ansrullah is in the the western section from Darvaz, but they are not in Ishkishim or Wahan or Shugnan. And that the there are Tajik Taliban controlled by and Pashtuns in those areas, but that Jamat Ansrullah is answering to the Taliban and not to a group like ISIS or another group at this point. So then you have to wonder what does the Taliban or Jamat Ansrullah get from destabilizing Tajikistan? And they get nothing. And I think that's why the Taliban keeps saying that's not our goal. I don't know what this Arsalan quote or not, but um, I do know that the issue really is Jamat Ansrullah was part of the initial Taliban takeover. So they're going to want their sort of piece of the pie. And they control a series of districts that are along drug trafficking routes. So they're getting a piece of the pie right now. While, of course, the Taliban is not a cohesive, coherent government, and there's a bunch of disparate groups, they are not going completely rogue. So while there might be some chest beating among sides, I mean, I do know that the uh, CSTO is going to have three drills coming up from October 10th to the 23rd, and that there have been other drills in September 27th and 30th in Barakhshan, Gorno Barakhshan. I think that's more of a Ramon trying to leverage what he has against the Taliban to say, you need to control your people because we will take action. But I, but I honestly do not think the Taliban have anything to gain from starting any conflict. I mean, there's drug trafficking lanes and trafficking lanes that are still happily moving along. And nobody really wants those that's, to stop either. So that's an incentive, yeah. as far as I can tell. Yeah, but to, one uh, thing, one thing, Dr. Sanchez, there, like, actually a couple of things. One is now, by this time, it is proven that Taliban have put Arsalan or his group in charge of areas in terms of security, which are close to Tajikistan. And the second is mm-hmm. recently we have also reported and a couple of others based on eyewitness reports on the ground that Taliban have been arming those people, providing them latest weaponry versus they used to be using old pickup trucks. Now they are running homeways and uh, using the latest weaponry that also proven. And the third thing is, just to kind of counter your argument here, I am sure that President Rahman certainly have sources among those people. So, I mean, when he says something, I'm guessing that it shouldn't be out of the blue, I guess. That's what my understanding is. Yeah, well, I completely, um, my sources on the ground also confirm that uh, Jamaat Ansrullah have been armed and that the Taliban have given them legitimacy. I confirmed what you guys reported, which is Kufa, Bohan, Mamai, Nusai, Shikan. But them, I mean, so think about it this way. Tajikistan sent a bunch of troops to the border, and then they had a bunch of exercises. So Taliban, as in, you know, has also increased their control of that border, right? 
I mean, this is just my opinion, but that doesn't mean they're going to start a fight or a cross-border conflict. But certainly it's, they are giving sign, sign of some sort to Tajikistan, some sort of message to Tajikistan, isn't it? I mean, it, they should know better. I mean, it, this is going to give wrong signal to the other side of the border. If their intention is not this, then why don't Taliban, you know, send those Tajik militants, Tajikistani militants to some other parts of the country like they did with Uyghurs? I would assume, what what I could anecdotally assume, is that uh, Jamaat Ansrullah, because they helped win the country for the Taliban initially, the Taliban owe them. And so they're going to allow the Jamaat Ansrullah to continue there, which of course is going to upset Tajikistan. Tajikistan is already upset for many other reasons as well with the Taliban. So there does seem to be a bit of a security dilemma where they are both increasing the buildup of the border. And and I I mean, I do wonder, so does how much control does Jamaat Ansula have on their own? And how much are they answering to the Taliban? That has always been a huge problem in Afghanistan. There's never been a coherent or cohesive control of any group. They're sort of these loose affiliates. And from the way the Taliban allow these foreign fighters to operate, from what I understand, I think uh, Gustiozzi is the one who wrote about this, they are allowed to go into these districts and basically the bounty that they get from the districts is their pay. So Jama, if that method of paying fighters is still going on, then Jamaat Ansrullah is expecting to be able to control their sort of money-making or trafficking routes in that area. And, I, you know, so I, I feel like I'm not giving you a definitive mm-hmm, answer. Mm-hmm. I'm pushing back a little bit because I don't, I do not think there's going to be war between the two sides because there's incentives on mm. both sides to not have that. Yeah. And I don't think that Russia and China as well. Mm. And, and I do think Ramon has uh, reasons to answer to them, both in a security framework as well as in an economic framework, which yeah. I'm not going to go into. But I don't think either of them want that to blow up either. Maybe, right? maybe the war is not might be what we are talking about here. But until the war, there are so many other leverages that they could, yeah, yeah. they might be bluffing about. But let's bring in Salim John here. I mean, Salim John, uh, Dr. Sanchez has a point here. You know, she says that it's not in interest of Taliban to see Tajikistan destabilized. So there, there some of the reporting that that's are coming up in terms of increasing tension might be just the report. Maybe there's not much bone in it. So when you look into these developments from Dushanbe and try to read the brain of President Rahman and other uh, government officials, how it looks like from Tajikistan, I mean, what is happening in, in Afghanistan and why it is happening. Uh, and also where Taliban stands in this. Of course, Arslan's comment was very specific. If that's true, uh, we don't know at this moment because there are so many confusion in terms of the credibility of reports that we are getting. From that perspective, I mean, I'm just guessing, maybe I'm talking too much here, I'm just guessing that Arslan should not be able to give statements like that without Taliban letting him to give. All in all, how it looks like uh, from Tajikistan. Mohammed, first of all, I support uh, what Melanie pointed out, that uh, one thing we know for sure that something is going on there, something is preparing itself, but we don't know exactly what. Second, uh, yes, we decided not to publish this news about Mahdi Arsalon, since it was based uh, on a single source uh, on Telegram, and this source was not credible to us. 
And uh, it's interesting that the Russian media widely used uh, this information, and some of them even uh, started saying that in some minutes the war between Afghanistan and Tajikistan will start. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is more complex. And just a few hours after this uh, news, we received another news that the Taliban leadership said that uh, they are looking for diplomacy to reduce tensions uh, with Dushanbe. Even member of the cultural uh, of the cultural commission, uh, minister of information and culture, Ruhollo Omari, called Tajikistan a good neighbor. So this uh, one sign. Second, uh, Tajikistan is not cutting off electricity export to Afghanistan. So those signs are telling that those sides are not uh, on the edge of war. But first of all, uh, it's looking like the structure, the vertical of the government of Taliban is not working as we understand one government should work even in countries like Tajikistan. Of course, in Tajikistan, even stronger because it's authoritarian rule. And especially in Badakhshan province of Afghanistan, there is a lot of things are going on. First of all, so the current head of the province, Khori Fasihiddin, succeeded in sending two of his deputies to the central government. And those two deputies were his uh, personal rivals uh, in the government of uh, Badakhshan province. And we can understand that. And even uh, Mahdi Arsalan right now is in Faizabad. He is not at the border. He is in the provincial center. And it's looking like Fasihiddin, uh, who is a Panjshiri Tajik, is trying to to build his own empire. And Melanie is right. Uh, this empire includes uh, a lot of roads for drug trafficking, for trafficking some other things either to, to, through Tajikistan or even Pakistan. And that's why the news that came first from Moskovsky Kamsamolis was not reliable to us mm. based on this Telegram channel. Mm-hmm. So it's looking like they are still uh, working among inside of their own structure. And uh, probably if those type of uh, statement was done by Mahdi Arsalon, I believe it, it was not done. But if if something somebody have done this or somebody need it and. Most probably it's a kind of just rhetorical, uh, just a banner that the, this group is still thinking about uh, intrusion into into Tajikistan. Mm-hmm. And again, we shouldn't expect uh, any kind of real war at yeah. the border itself yeah. because we know that uh, Tajikistan mobilized a lot of uh, powers, mm-hmm. a lot of military power there. Mm-hmm. And Russia is just 20 kilometers from the yeah. border and the new drills are going on. So there will be no face-to-face war at the border mm-hmm. on, on the Panj or Ovo River. Mm-hmm. There, there will be no intrusion. If Ansarullah someday will ask by Taliban or by, by someone else who pay more than Taliban and who will promise them to save them in, inside of Afghanistan, so there will be just the infiltration inside of Tajikistan and some small uh, intrusion in, in different places, but not at the border. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. I also don't know, of course, maybe nobody knows uh, about the, the military might of this man, uh, Arslan, that we are talking about. I mean, in case if he, he was talking about this, and again, we have lots of questions about the credibility of this reporting coming out of Russia through this Telegram channels. So we have lots of questions, lots of caveat there. But in case if he is genuinely talking or thinking about uh, things like that, I mean, on behalf of how many people he's talking about? I mean, how do we know about the, the military might of this man? We know that overall uh, people from the Central Asia and, and especially from Tajikistan are uh, somehow about 200. But what we know for sure uh, for from many sources that he personally commands 60 armed men. That's what we have. Okay, so let's not jump into and talk about the uh, imminent war or something that some of the Russian media is talking about. But it's also clear that it is no more just simple war of words anymore. Um, there are more into this. There are you know reports about Taliban arming up those people and moving c- uh, closer to the border, and you know sporadic comments coming out from both sides of the border, from the officials, from the authorities. Also, recall that uh, in our uh, earlier conversations, Bruce, you will. Re- call that. An expert said that this might be just a bluff what President Rahman is saying. And then the other interpretation was that he might be playing a bad cop, a good cop thing, like uh, in a sense that he might be bad cop while the Russia or some other regional countries might be playing good cop in terms of the dealing with the Taliban. Are we still talking about this after this stage or maybe there are more into this? Uh, Let's continue the conversation talking about some of these points and also look into what might be coming next after this stage. First, let me recap the debate that today on the Imagelis podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Susanna Levy-Sanchez, Associate Professor at U.S. Naval War College, uh, Melanie Saduze, a visiting scholar at the George Washington University, Selim John Ayubov, the Director of Radio Free the Liberties Tajik Service, Bruce Panier, the Editor of Radio Free the Liberties Central Asia Blog, Kishlok Owazi. I'm Mohammed Tahir, host of the Imagelis and Radio Free the Liberties Media Manager here in Washington, D.C., and we are discussing the growing tension between the Tajik government and the Taliban in Afghanistan. Okay, Bruce, maybe I will start with you with a similar question. So, uh, very blunt one. How likely is it that there will be sort of a armed tension on the border involving both sides? Uh, you know, I think Selim John probably put it best by saying there won't be a war along the border. Um, you know, there's a couple of things worth remembering here. Uh, you mentioned Rahman's rhetoric, of course, which hasn't helped in this case at all. But, you know, the Tajik uh, Tajikistan is harboring people who were leaders from the Panjshir Valley. And they yes. let the, the Afghan ambassador from the mm-hmm. from Ghani's government yeah. uh, make a lot of statements, too. You know, it seems to be like the, it's the anti-Taliban conduit, you know, in Central Asia. It goes through Tajikistan. So this is it's gotten Rahman a lot of attention, uh, positive attention uh, from people who don't like the Taliban to be in there. But, you know, the fact that he is harboring uh, the leadership of what people perceive as the last resistance of the Taliban, you know, certainly doesn't make the Taliban very happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but of course, if there's a if there's fighting on the border, and that's why I agree that I don't I don't see how that's going to happen because if they do, 
actually attack, you know, and even if, even if it is just Jamayat Ansarullah who attacks, if they attack on the border and they're, you know, coming from Afghanistan, that invokes security treaties from mm. the Shanghai Cooperation mm. Organization and the Collective Security Treaty Organization, where both those organizations mm. would be obligated to come and help Tajikistan defend their territory against an aggressor. Mm. So, and we know that China has significant influence mm. with the Taliban, so that they've undoubtedly sent the message to Kabul already that this is something that they don't want, and that they could probably would affect the amount of money and humanitarian aid that China has been talking about sending to Afghanistan. Russia would be in the same boat with the Collective Security Treaty Organization and also the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, too, so they wouldn't want that. But this group that we're talking about, Jamayat Ansarullah, yeah. is very useful to the Taliban because they are Tajik citizens. You know, and, and Salim John alluded to that, that this is the problem. If if the Tajik government proved to be obstinate and, and was perceived as helping the resistance inside Afghanistan against the Taliban, you can at that, if you can get these people from Ansarullah into Tajikistan, well away from the border inside Tajikistan to cause, mm-hmm, from, you know, just carry out terrorist attacks and stuff, then all of a sudden this becomes a whole different situation. Yeah. This is not an invasion. This is a, an internal problem among mm. Tajik citizens. But it would, in, it would in effect, distract the Tajik government's attention away from the border because mm-hmm. they would have their own internal security threat that they would have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily, but in the meantime, know, in the fine reading of these treaties, obligate China, Russia, and other people to come to the help of Tajikistan mm-hmm. because it is essentially about fight between citizens of Tajikistan at that point and not a border incursion. Sure, so. but in the meantime, if that's what's likely, Tajikistan also knows that those people are coming from Afghanistan. So Taliban is, even if they want or don't want, they are a party to this. At least this is how it's going to be seen from Tajikistan, isn't it? Dr. Levy Sanchez pointed out too that we don't know how much control they have over these people. Yeah. Right, and, and the Taliban could certainly disavow this and disown them and say, we didn't tell them to do that. You know, they, they have their own personal grudge with the Tajik government and they decided on their own to sneak into Tajikistan and carry out attacks wasn't something that we told them to do. Even if they did tell them to do it, they can at least say, we don't know anything about this. You know, uh, they're, they're not citizens of Afghanistan, technically. We didn't recommend they do it. And so, you know, we don't have any ownership over this problem whatsoever. Mm. How likely is this scenario? You know, Dr. Sanchez, please uh, feel free to jump in. Also, Melanie, any one of you. You know, I'd like to piggyback, if I could, on, mm-hmm. on um, Bruce, what Bruce Panier just said. Mm. I think that the fact that Jamat Unsurullah was helping the Taliban from the beginning mm. is important. Because this relationship and its owed, plus prior to all of that, they were there as well. And what I wrote on, I think, July 6th is, what is Jamaat Unsrullah going to want? And who are they going to ally with? Hmm. So at this point, from my sources on the ground, ISIS is trying to make headway in some of the districts. Hmm. And I think that's important. I don't think ISIS has a big presence, but obviously they're creating some problems. This is my speculation. It's only speculation. If Jamaat Ansula is unhappy with their relationship with the Taliban or some of or part of Jamaat Ansula that is there, will they partner with ISIS? Mm. And I think that that if there are these potential little fights or cellular terrorist attacks that occur deeper into Tajikistan, I think that's only going to be the Arsalan-led fighters or Ansrullah that are unhappy with the Taliban and that have decided to join a more ISIS-style cell. 
And I do think that's a possibility because I don't think there's a cohesive governance by any means. I mean, the Taliban don't have control fully over the security forces, over the economy, over social welfare programs. They're not paying civil servants. I mean, there's huge problems. So, so, so does that make sense? So my feeling is if they do go into Tajikistan, it's not going to be through the Taliban. And I do believe... While um, I do think the Taliban are not doing a good job governing and they're, mm. there's, they are committing atrocities, mm. I do think that there calls for some kind of diplomatic discussions to decrease the tensions are true. And I think there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Russia that is very difficult to yeah. confirm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I question that telegram until yeah. I have three or four more sources that are saying that Arsalan is saying this, I'm going to question that. Yeah, so certainly we have lots of questions about what comes out of those channels, you know, Russian media. They talk about lots of things. We don't understand why they are doing that based on, you know, kind of shady uh, sources. A part of that, we also know that those Tajikistani militants based in Afghanistan are there for a reason. They don't like Rahman's government, right? They cannot go back to Tajikistan. If they do, they will be persecuted. They know they will be put in jail at best, right? Right. Rahman don't like them and they don't like Rahman. So there is that thing. And also the Taliban, for some reason, I don't know why, for some reason, they are sort of sheltering them and also providing them uh, equipments and arms. I, I don't know why. But that's what the reportings are. So what earlier what you were st- talking about is, yeah, there might not be a war, full-fledged war between these two countries, uh, Afghanistan run under the Taliban. But is it a possibility that those militants, without knowledge of the Taliban, just go inside and do something? something bad, and then it becomes suddenly a huge problem. Oh, yeah, um, I think it's absolutely uh, um, a potential. And and what I was saying earlier is that I think that they would do it on their own. Uh, They would somehow be in disagreement with the Taliban, or they would decide that they wanted their own country, Mm. right, and go into Tajikistan. But I think that if they did that, I do not think the Taliban would support them, and they'd have to get other supporters. And that's why I'm pointing to a sort of ISIS affiliate support, or I have a hard time believing that they would, on their own, given their small numbers, go into Tajikistan and actually try to fight the government directly. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a potential for small terrorist attacks for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, but I do think they would look for supporters for that. And again, I I just do not think the Taliban are going to support that. There's they need energy from Tajikistan. They want the drug trafficking to continue. And China and Russia, who are supporting both the Taliban government as well as the Tajik government, do not want that to happen. Yes, so sir. this would have to be a rogue mission, rogue attacks inside the country. And then who's supporting that? Is mm-hmm. that ISIS, right? Mm-hmm. Or is that somehow Jamaat Ansarullah getting their own funding from the drug trafficking that they're controlling in Afghanistan? That's also a serious concern, mm-hmm. because since they're controlling the New Sai area, they're controlling drug trafficking mm-hmm. through that area, and that's a large amount of money. Mm-hmm. So they might try to also fund their own operations. But again, I'm just completely speculating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, in many cases, we are all speculating here today. But even the possibility of that, like some of those rogue elements within Jamaat Ansarullah going to Tajikistan and doing something something bad, which will uh, end up not be good to the Taliban, for instance, even the idea of is enough for me if I were to be Taliban to keep me awake at night. So if Taliban doesn't want that to happen, why they just don't get rid of them? Not rid of them in a sense, like just send them away, like don't give them arms uh, and don't assign them for the security uh, on the Tajik border. Why they don't do that? 
Well, I mean, you can think about it two ways. Jamaat Usrullah could have said to the Taliban government, if you don't create us, make us a legitimate sort of brigade or battalion, we're going to join different forces. So there could have been a threat. But there also could be what I was talking about earlier is we have to recognize that Tajikistan and Russia supporting them are building up the border. And the Taliban may have wanted to say, we can flex our muscles too. You know, we, we mm. can threaten you with something that mm. might hurt you, which mm. is Jama Ansula, since you are threatening us. Mm. So it's either that or mm. they don't have control, in my mind, control over Jama Ansula, and they had to give them something mm. uh, and more legitimate. And it's better for the Taliban to make Ansula more legitimate than to have Ansula join, either become completely independent or join an ISIS-style or other kind of, you know, so, I mean, it's really complicated. It, but, it um, looks like, you know, how you how, how you also make them legitimate without upsetting Tajikistan on the other side. I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, as, as you it's said, really, it's, as you said, it's, it's very, very complicated. And we, we need to conclude the discussion very soon. But one thing is clear here. I mean, feel free to jump in, Bruce, if you like to, or Milani. Now, for me, after this conversation, one thing is clear to me is that the whole tension is not about Rahman's demand about the inclusive government anymore, right? If I may jump in, yeah. um, I actually think he's not really going to change his position on the, um, well, we say inclusive government, yeah. but really what he wants is a, like a multi-ethnic government, right? That yeah, includes, of course. He, um, yeah, of course, that was his initial demand. But I'm saying the current level of tension is just not limited with that point anymore, I guess. That's what the, my, my point was. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's not just uh, limited to that. Um, and if you actually take a look at his um, at, uh, Rahman's speeches, he's not only mentioning that, he's also pointing the massacres, the violence of the Taliban. He's also blaming the international community for mm. uh, not doing enough to save Afghans. He actually he talked to an Afghan singer. We saw that on YouTube. And he, he told him, you know, uh, we, we'll always be there for you. Yeah. Um, don't worry. So he's like s- sort of opening his hands to the Afghans. So there's more than just asking for a multi-ethnic government. But in my opinion, it's all about deterrence. It's all about, you know, on both sides, on, on the side of the Taliban and on the side of the Tajikistani government. You know, it's it's a, a war on words um, to deter the, uh, the other part, prevent them from uh, actually doing anything. But it's, indeed, it's not just limited to what uh, Rahman is, uh, is asking from the Taliban. And apparently, what I think is very interesting here, and we haven't mentioned that, is the, the, the role of Pakistan, because Pakistan mm-hmm. is going to be the, the one, uh, you know, in between in the canal, should negotiations take place between Tajikistan and the Taliban. So that's something we need to really look at in the future, what, what Pakistan is going gonna, is gonna to do. In mm. this whole situation. Mm. I think when, when Pakistani Prime Minister was in Dushanbe last time for the meeting, the big meeting there, the promise that he came back to Pakistan with was that he's going to help, I guess that was the word, help to arrange a meeting between Taliban and Tajik authorities, ideally in Dushanbe. I'm just wondering if the, the recent comment that earlier you mentioned, Melani, by the Taliban that they are ready to talk to Tajik authorities, maybe it is in reference to that or something else? No, I think it's it's actually the um, logical following of um, mm. of what uh, Imran Khan, so the Prime Minister mm. of Pakistan, has uh, 
has actually said, he, it seems like he has delivered on what he said uh, when he uh, met with President Rahman, because exactly what he said, he said, I will work on this multi-ethnic government with the Taliban. Hmm. So that's sort of like the, the promise that he said. He officially, if I quote what he said, he said, I have initiated a dialogue hmm. with the Taliban for an inclusive Afghan government hmm. to include Tajiks, Hazaras and Uzbeks. But so it seems like he has delivered on mm, that. No, um, we don't have any confirmation. No, no, but I, I, I don't know if you are referring to the the next round of their appointments, right? I mean, yeah, they certainly yes. put one Hazara at, and also one one or two deputy ministers. No, no, no. I was, I was, excuse me. I was saying that it seems that Prime Minister of Pakistan mm. has actually talked to the Taliban in order to, you know, like work on this more inclusive government. I'm not saying it's inclusive at all. Mm. Uh, I'm just saying that from the last report mm. we have from um, the Taliban's declaration is that, you know, they're, they're willing to work on diplomatic relations with the Taliban. Mm. And it seems like it's a sign that Pakistan has been involved in this um, conflict. Yeah, without Pakistan being yeah. involved, I, I, apparently uh, when it comes to Taliban, needle doesn't move anywhere, I guess, these days. Um, but we it need to, like yeah, we, we mm-hmm. need to move on. And also we need to wrap up the conversation. Just a very, very last point here. We've spoken about this very in the last uh, part of our conversation. The Taliban has signaled that they are ready to talk to Tajik authorities, which apparently is good signal in light of what the signs that we have been earlier getting, like these war of words and these uh, comments by some of the Tajikistani militants there. You know, going forward from here, so where our eyes should be, uh, Bruce or Salim John, determine where things are headed from here okay you know what i'll go first because salim john will have a a, undoubtedly have a better point you know tajikistan needs to talk to the taliban that's for sure i don't think they're going to change their stance that much Hmm. you know what rahman defending the the ethnic tajiks in afghanistan plays very well to his domestic audience you know he's he's an unpopular generally but this is one particular uh, subtopic that he's been able to capitalize on and and get uh, get his own people behind him on that And, and let's face it you know tajikistan and maybe Salim John knows better than me. I, don't, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many hundreds of millions of dollars have been poured into Tajikistan because it borders unstable Afghanistan. Now, the minute he reaches an agreement with the Taliban, and if it looks like that's going to work and that there really isn't a problem along the Tajik-Afghan border, he's going to see a lot less money being poured into his country, you know, and that they're surviving on that money, basically. Not just what they steal, but I mean, you know, donor aid and things like that, too. So it's kind of a loser for Brockman to reach a solid agreement with the Taliban that removes all the tension between the two parties. Mm. Salim John, how do you see the future going forward from here between the Taliban and President Rahman and his government? Where they are headed with this? I fully support what Bruce said. The situation is very good for the leader of the country who has been keeping this country because of the international aid. But uh, regarding Ansarullah, as our colleagues, our, our experts are saying that the uh, Taliban's attitude towards Ansarullah will somehow relate to the Tajikistan's relationship with the resistance in Panjshir or resistance leaders. Mm. We are hearing that uh, in some coming days, maybe or weeks, there will be a gathering in Dushanbe and many farmer 
members of Ghani's government, uh, we are hearing. It, it, it's unconfirmed, but it, the negotiations between those people are going on. And probably there will be some meeting. And just yesterday, they asked Rahman to help them to, to make Dushanbe as a place for negotiations between resistance and Taliban. Mm. We don't know the Taliban's reaction on it. But again, the relationship between Tajikistan and uh, the resistance and the relationship between Taliban and Ansar, although mm. they, they will be playing on uh, somehow in changes in one relationship will cause a relationship in other relations. Uh, I, I mean, both sides will use those uh, groups mm. as a tools between... Bargaining the, chip, okay. Uh, the, the, yeah, between each other. Mm. And uh, But uh, what uh, Dr. Sanchez pointed out that, uh, yeah, the threat of moving Ansarullah from Taliban towards ISIS is, is very big because mm. anyway... We know that Taliban will want peaceful relationship with Tajikistan. They they want recognition and so on. And Ansarullah is not in this game, in this yeah. play. And most probably when the relationship will be fixed with, with Dushanbe, Ansarullah will, will be sent to Nangarhar or to some other place. But what will be the reaction of Ansarullah also, we don't know. So it's possible that they will uh, join other groups mm. uh, and will continue their ways. They uh, Even many years ago, uh, when they formed, mm. they said, our last point is Dushanbe, our last point is Tajikistan. Mm. I guess there are a lot to keep our eyes on. In case of Tajikistan, they are uh, working with anti-Taliban resistance groups. Uh, on the other side, the Taliban are using those militants as a bargaining chip. That's certainly something that we, we need to keep our eyes on. And also, in case if there is some sort of rapprochement between Taliban and the Tajik authorities, what the reaction Ansarullah will show, as Salim John is saying, that they are not in this game. So there are a lot to keep our eyes on going forward. But unfortunately, we have to conclude the discussion here. Thank you very much, uh, Salim John Ayyabov, the director of Ready for Paper Liberties Tajik Service, Dr. Susanna Levy-Sanchez, associate professor at U.S. Naval War College and author of an upcoming book on bridging state and civil society informal organizations in Tajik Afghan production. Also, Milani Saduzei, a visiting scholar at the George Washington University, and Bruce Panier, the editor of Ready for Paper Liberties Central, Asia Block, Kishlok Owazi. Thank you, colleagues, for your time today. And this is from me, Mohammed Tahir, Ready for Free Liberties Media Manager and uh, host of the Majlis uh, podcast focusing on Central Asia. Until next week, bye bye.